This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Kate Watson. It's Friday the 18th of June. In your Squeeze today, a change in who gets what jab. Aussies love a job. Music meets swimming. And guess who's back? This is your Squiz today. Health Minister Greg Hunt-Kate yesterday told us that health advice had changed and now the Pfizer vaccine is the preferred jab for those under 60 years old. Yeah, it was previously for those under 50, but as you say, it's changed. So if you're under 60, the recommendation now is to get the Pfizer vaccine. Why this has changed is because the health advice has been reviewed by health experts after a 52-year-old woman died last week from a blood clot. It's something that's a known side effect of the AstraZeneca vaccine, but the clotting is still very rare. Just how rare? In Australia, 60 people have developed the clotting condition. Two have died. That's out of more than 3.8 million AstraZeneca doses that have been given. So the chance of death from a clot are one in 1.9 million. So very slim Simone. But as Greg Hunt said yesterday, the change in advice was a conservative position. That's right. And our chief health officer stressed that if you have had one AstraZeneca jab and you're under 60 and you didn't have any side effects, still go and get the second dose. Staying on COVID, Kate, there's a bit of concern in Sydney about the latest outbreak. There is, but certainly no panic. It's grown from one to four cases. So that includes the man who was originally infected, his wife, and a woman who attended a venue the couple had been to. The fourth case, Simone, is a bit of an outlier, not connected, but those in the know reckon it could be a false positive. So fingers crossed for that. As we have come to expect, though, some border restrictions by other states have been put in place. They have. South Australia and Tasmania have shut their borders to anyone who visited a high-risk site, and Victoria too has imposed some restrictions. To job numbers now, Kate, and yesterday it was announced that the unemployment rate fell below pre-pandemic levels for the first time since March 2020. How about that, hey? It dropped 0.4% to 5.1% last month. That's the seventh month in a row there's been a drop. It's always good to get to know your definitions here on this one. Unemployment is defined as those who are actively seeking and available to work. Most of the headlines yesterday were about how that has well exceeded expectations. So widely seen as good news. The interesting one in all of this also is underemployment. So that's those in work but who could do more hours. That's dropped too, Simone, so we're working more. In fact, much of the commentary yesterday was around a skills shortage, something that comes when you don't have any migration. Yeah, it's yet another impact of the pandemic. And to round this one out, whilst we have jobs, there's still no sign of wage increases, according to the Reserve Bank. But there was a little bit around yesterday that the demand for skills could help give that a kick. Time will tell. We haven't talked about Hong Kong in a while, Kate, not since last May when a law was passed in Hong Kong that aimed to keep people China deems unpatriotic from positions of political power. That followed on from another law passed last year that basically made it illegal to challenge authority. Since then, we've been seeing it in action. We sure have. The latest is that the editor-in-chief of Hong Kong's biggest pro-democracy newspaper and four other executives were arrested when 500 police raided their offices yesterday. That paper is called Apple Daily and it's known for publishing anti-China views. It's been targeted for allegedly breaching that national security law you referred to by publishing more than 30 articles calling on countries to impose sanctions on Hong Kong 
and mainland China. As you say, Simone, they aren't the first to be targeted. Dozens of people have been arrested and charged under the law since it was first implemented last year. In fact, it's not the first time the paper has been in China's sights. The owner of Apple Daily, Jimmy Lai, was arrested last year. He's still in prison. Yeah, China's push for more control of Hong Kong, like you said, Kate, isn't new. We have a squish shortcut that looks at the complicated history between China and Hong Kong, the mass protest that kicked off in 2019 and where things are at now. You can find it on your favourite podcast app by searching for Squish Shortcuts. To the Olympics now, and health officials in Japan have signed off on a plan to have spectators at the Olympics. All domestic spectators, though, so don't go booking tickets, but it's something. Yeah, still none of us can go, but that's sort of to be expected. What happens now is government officials will consider the advice and they'll decide whether crowds of up to 10,000 people at events or 50% of a venue's capacity, whichever is smaller, will be allowed in. When I put it like that, it kind of sounds like a spend and save promotion, doesn't it? (laughs) Word on the street is that a final call will be made later this month. A state of emergency has been in place in Tokyo and also in other parts of the country, but that's due to lift on the 20th of June. It may not, though. All of it depends on what happens with COVID numbers over there and also whether new variants rear their head. So that's the running of the Olympics, Kate. But let's focus now on the Olympians themselves. Our qualifiers for swimming wrapped up overnight. First things first, lots of talk about Cody Simpson and the fact that he went super fast to make the 100 metre butterfly final last night. He didn't quite make the Olympics, though. Yeah, he didn't really quite. He came in last in the final. But for those who don't really know who he is or why we care about how he went, he's a singer and actor. He was a great swimmer when he was younger, but he only took it up again in the last couple of years. So it's a mammoth effort to get where he's got to. He said himself that he was shocked at his performances and his eyes really are on the 20. 24 Olympics. So it won't be the last we hear of him. He's also a former boyfriend of Miley Cyrus, Simone. (laughs) He is, but let's not dwell on the past. Let's look forward, (laughs) Kate, to those who did qualify. And the focus really has been on the women. Yeah, we talked about 19-year-old gun Kaylee McEwen, who broke the world record in the 100 metres backstroke days ago. That was over the weekend. She also took out the 200 metres last night in the backstroke, so she'll definitely be someone to follow come mid-July. As for the women's 100 metres freestyle, Emma McKeon beat Kate Campbell to qualify fastest. But because the top six in the race swam a qualifying time, they all swam really quickly, Australia is the hot favourite to defend our women's 4 by 100 metre freestyle relay gold medal love the relays it's not long now it's not swimming but someone who won't be at Tokyo Kate is Rafael Nadal who also won't be at Wimbledon that starts on the 28th of June he announced overnight that the time between the French Open Wimbledon and then the Olympics is just too short a time to recover at 35 he says he needs to listen to his body squeeze the day Kate Squeeze the day. I've got a mixed bunch, Simone, because that's always a bit of fun, I reckon. Today is International Sushi Day. Tomorrow is International Surfing Day. Sunday is Go Skateboarding Day, something I won't be doing, but go for your life if that's your thing. (laughs) And International Yoga Day. What a motley crew. Yeah, what a what a mix up there, Kate. For me, there are some birthdays to celebrate. We have Paul McCartney's birthday today. He'll be 79 years old. And on Sunday, it's Nicole Kidman's birthday. She'll be 54 years old. And Lionel Richie, who's turning 72. It's also Claire's birthday on Sunday, Simone. What? I didn't know it was Well, we birthday. won't say how old she's turning. Or young. Or how young she's turning. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to do something special for her today then, Kate. Yeah, happy birthday, Claire. 
Finally, before we go, a bit of housekeeping from us regarding our recent survey that you've been hearing us talk about a lot on the podcast. Yeah, thank you to everyone who took that survey. We've drawn the winner of the Dan Murphy voucher. If you didn't hear from us, sorry you missed out. The lucky person we have been in touch with, hopefully they've already stocked up for the weekend. And Simone, you're having some time off next week, so that means Larissa is back on the podcast on Monday. Yeah, how good's that? Matt Leave has meant she's well fit for the early morning, so she'll be fresh and ready to go on Monday morning. She sure will be. Nothing like Matt Leave to get you up and about nice and early. That's it for the week. Thanks for tuning in to the Squiz Today podcast. Have a great weekend. A quick message now from our podcast partner, BHP. Across the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking to squizzers about BHP and the work they're doing to provide the materials that we need to transition to a low emission economy for the energy transition. At the start of the podcast, you heard how copper is used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. So when it comes to producing it, reducing emissions is a priority. And that's why BHP is making solar, wind and battery deals to help power their South Australian Olympic dam copper mine. It's happening now at BHP.